0: ladies and gentlemen good afternoon welcome to the vegas gang podcast for september 29th 2011 the vegas gang is a roundtable discussion show for issues related to las vegas macau and the rest of the world this is the smartest podcast on the entire internet Let me go around the virtual table and introduce the guys. Mr. Jeff Simpson, author of the Insightful Simpson on Vegas column on 2 Way Hard 3. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, brother. Chuck Monster, editor-in-chief at VegasTripping.com. What's happening, Chuck? (laughs) 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 And Dr. Dave Schwartz, director of UNLV's Center for Gaming Research. Hey, Dave. Shalom. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Hunter Hilligus, and I run RateVegas.com. We've got a special interview guest today, but before we do that, a quick announcement, a reminder that the Vegas Internet Mafia family picnic is October 22nd in Las Vegas, Nevada, on the fabulous Las Vegas Strip at Planet Hollywood. Um, All of the details are at VegasInternetMafia.com, but uh, you better be there to uh, to partake in the excellence that will be the family picnic, or else we will revoke your listening license, and you will no longer be able to listen. <laughs> um, there's two ways to get a listening license: send a check for five thousand dollars, or attend the picnic. Your choice. Um, three p.m. I think, Chuck. Is that right? Uh, three three ish.
1: It might might start yeah. around three thirty. I think. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, the details are on the website, as I mentioned, and, uh, we're looking forward to, uh, hanging out with all y'all. So, um, you know, definitely come out and it's going to be a lot of fun. There's also some discounted room rates. That is a pretty popular weekend, it seems. So you can get a couple bucks off at Planet Hollywood, Paris, or Bally's by using the links, um, that we put up previously and I think are linked from the site maybe not yes, I, they, they are. are okay great so these, f-
1: these deals man i tell you man the prices for for rooms that weekend are skyrocketing like by the day mm-hmm. so those those rates that we locked in with the harris folks are incredible
0: they're really really good yeah so book now yep all right let's get on to our guest Our guest today is Roger Thomas, Executive Vice President of Design for Wynn Design and Development, Uh, the man responsible for the interiors at Wynn Las Vegas, Encore Las Vegas, Wynn Macau, Encore Macau, Bellagio, and amongst other work. Roger Thomas, welcome to The Vegas Gang. Thank you. Nice to be here. We were very fortunate to have your colleague, Derider Butler, on the show a few months back for an interview that has since become one of our most popular episodes. And I'm really glad now to be able to match the design side with the architecture side and, uh, and ask you a few questions. So we promise to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just jump right in. So uh, the day that Encore opened, I was lucky enough to be on a tour of the property that you led, and as we went from space to space, one of the things that stood out to me was the history behind a lot of the pieces. Um, you know, you, every, every single scene seemed to tell a story. There were parts that were from old Parisian hotels that had been picked up at auction houses that had history in and of themselves before they were ever placed inside the building. Um, so what I'm wondering is many many guests probably will never be aware of those details in that history as they walk through the building. How important is it to you that guests understand the historical significance of some of the design elements? And have you ever considered producing any kind of a guide or gallery type? <clears throat> instructions that would fill in some of those details and explain some of that rich history?
2: Uh, one, I think that uh, historic elements carry a certain vibration and aura with them and added dignity. Uh, and a sense of, of history to any space, whether you know their history or not. Um, I believe that objects are possessed of a certain character and personality, and I, they speak to me, and I think that they speak to others as well. I'm very interested in our guests knowing those histories, and I have several times embarked on projects uh, of trying to produce a booklet, a self-travel guide, or something else. Currently, Michael Weaver, our new uh, Vice President of Public Relations and Advertising, and I are conspiring on doing a Q4 guide so that we can have Q4 signifiers near major objects, and you'll be able to pick up uh, either a short lecture by myself or by someone else uh, as to the history. Uh, and importance of certain objects in the hotel, so we're we're always interested in that. Uh, I think that the more you know about something, the more you appreciate
0: that something. And
2: so I want to impart as much information to our guests as they would like to hear.
0: Well, that's that sounds uh, very interesting, and I, I've I've definitely heard people um, ask about that kind of thing. And there seems to be, I think, at least for a a a segment of the guest population, sort of an insatiable desire to know more about how this stuff works, about where this stuff came from. So um, that sounds like it's going to be pretty exciting. I'm glad to hear that, because that's something that that really uh, interests me. So I'm going to probably jump around a little bit, but um, as we, as I was prepping for this interview, I went back and listened to some conversations that Steve Wynn had after the openings of both Win Las Vegas and Encore. And in both of those instances, Mr. Wynn talked about progression and how all of you on his team have grown over the years about learning from the past and trying to do it better the next time. And this is a concept that really fascinates me. What I'd like to hear from you is how you measure those things, how you differentiate between what is maybe a misstep, or if that's too strong a word, what is just one of several equally valid options. You made one choice, and maybe another choice uh, would have been better when he spoke about Bellagio, for instance, a property that is loved by millions of people and still is a top earner in Las Vegas, I, I remember a quote from him wondering aloud about the front desk and saying, well, I wonder if I had put that in the wrong place. And given the length of the of the lake, if I was designing it for optimal foot traffic, I would have put the front desk where the Fontana bar was. And so I, I just would love to hear more about that learning process. And it, especially if there are specific examples of something that you designed that just didn't work out the way that you would expected. good, bad. It doesn't have to be that it was an economic failure, but just something that didn't turn out the way that you thought it would.
2: Well, we're all very focused on the results of what we've designed, Derider, myself, and Steve, and we've all been doing this together for 30 years. Uh, and in that 30 years, we have a continuous running dialogue because we've all experienced the same design processes and results uh, together, uh, our dialogue and our, our vocabulary is all shared. And when a space is done, we spend a lot of time together talking about the successes of those spaces, things that we would have uh, done differently or better. And so the next project is always uh, composed of trying to find opportunities to do better what something we've already done before to create a new experience we hadn't thought of and see how well we can do that, uh, or to recreate something that was particularly successful and maybe amplify that success. Uh, and because we're, we have been together for so long, it's... It's just a natural part of our working relationship. When we started designing Win Las Vegas, one of the things that made it different uh, was we had always taken an existing vocabulary in inspiration for the design of our spaces. The Mirage was uh, that tropical belt around the world. Uh, Bellagio was centered on looking at the uh, architecture of northern Italy and southern France, uh, and of course Treasure Island, which was a theme resort and we shall never repeat. (laughs) Um, was all about uh, not just pirates but how the world perceived pirates which we learned was mostly through Hollywood Uh, so we we, we had those various kinds of existing vocabularies. One of the things that Wynn was supposed to accomplish was to invent a brand new vocabulary, uh, and that meant that I had to start uh, with a whole fresh alphabet and create words, sentences, and paragraphs, uh, and experiences that had never been seen before. Steve didn't want to reference any existing uh, vocabulary or design. Uh, then we looked at what our great successes were at Bellagio, at Mirage, at the various nuggets we've done, and at, uh, and at properties we didn't uh, necessarily put together. And many of the, uh, what I think are successful spaces in Wynn, were the result of fixing something that we that we considered broken. For instance, at Wynn, the parasol area, uh, which is in the heart of the hotel, it's the center of the two atrium that you can, uh, atria that you can enter through, either from sand or from the Strip uh, and creates parasol up and parasol down. And for me, it was one of the great creative efforts of the hotel in imagining this ballet of parasols overhead was to try and fix uh, the, the mistake we made with the escalators at Bellagio that go down to Prime and Picasso. Those escalators go down towards a magnificent view of the uh, lake and the fountains at Bellagio, yet we had them go through a hole in the floor mm-hmm. in an attempt to have a balcony uh, on lakeside on the casino level from which you could observe the fountains. Uh, and what we learned is that we gave up an extraordinary opportunity, which was a two-story view of the lake and the fountains that would have been far more dramatic than anything we could have created on that balcony. Uh, and then. Steve and uh, Derider and I started talking about how to make that actual experience better, that descent uh, while having, having this dramatic view. And the curved escalators were, of course, a very large part of that. Uh, and having also something overhead um, that focused the space that was of a scale respectful of that space uh, and that made the experience one of kind of 360 degree wonder, an active pattern on the floor, something wonderful overhead and a drop-dead view straight ahead. We, we called it, uh, uh, as we always do something that we're really excited about, a throat shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and it became one of those great triumphs where we think we really fixed something that we had broken before.
0: That's you know that's interesting that you reference the prime Picasso escalators because it's funny I rarely even see people watching the fountains from that vantage point and I had never even really thought about opening that up but man that really would have been an incredible statement if that had been done that way and it, it's it's very interesting to see that progression towards when and that you're right that is a very dramatic spot with those with that two story view. Um, You talked about that transition of moving from Bellagio and then Mr. Wynn selling his shares and starting up Wynn Resorts. When you were starting on the Wynn Las Vegas project, you were coming off of Bellagio, which was a very well-received property that was lauded as a entirely new level of luxury and comfort in Las Vegas. Was that an intimidating thing to say, well, well, now we got to do the next thing and we got to make it better. I mean, in some sense, it, 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 it's, it feels like Bellagio was such a crowning achievement. Was that scary at all to approach something new or was that exhilarating?
2: Well, it, it, Steve always challenges us to do, uh, to, to do better than we've done the last time. And the last time, of course, was supposed to have been best effort. So it's not a challenge that was new to us. Uh, Steve had said when we created Bellagio, I want you to create the most extraordinary hotel on planet Earth. And having, having just accomplished that, we thought, uh, being told that we had to go beyond Bellagio uh, was daunting but exciting at the same time. And it's those kinds of challenges that Derider and Steve and I love. It's trying to really uh, go further. And and part of what was exciting about that was, ha- was getting to create an entirely new voice at the same time and have the expression of win be something never seen before, which was a challenge that we didn't have in the past. Many of the things that uh, became parts and pieces of win were. Uh, ideas that I had kept in sketchbooks, and uh, it, which is my method of working, uh, I always have a sketchbook with me. I draw every idea I ever have. Whether I think it's appropriate for what I'm working on or not isn't germane. Uh, it's just that I get that idea down. So many of the things that are in Wynn are things that I've been collecting, ideas and and moves and vocabulary and thoughts and uh, expressions uh, for many years, but hadn't been appropriate to these previous uh, ex- these previous sets of vocabulary, uh, so it was a really exciting challenge and something uh, to, to really go beyond the drama when we uh, when I conceived of these huge floral mosaics on the floor, uh, it was something that was uh, I, I thought was very beautiful I was very excited about Steve was excited about, but I have to tell you the night before we opened, I had this sense that I had either created some, one of the best works i'd ever done uh, in these mosaic floors are one of the worst. <laughs> and I wasn't <laughs> and I wasn't really sure. Um I mean I was sure that I loved them, uh but you you know it's it's like uh it's like an actor delivering um uh delivering a performance. Um you do wait for the audience response. Whether you say you're not interested in it or not, it's important.
3: May I may I ask uh, Roger, I one of the things that I think is so interesting about your company and some of the work that you guys um, are doing is you're operating in two distinct uh, cultures um, and maybe even calling uh, Macau a single culture with its Portuguese influence. Obviously, um, you guys are mainly appealing to um, the, the Chinese um, audience there. But um, I've wa- I wonder, sort of in a two-part question, um, first of all, it must be a um, considerable... Um, learning process for you, for Mr. Wynn, and it's obviously been going on for quite some time. but um, perhaps you could speak a little uh, about that learning process, figuring out what it is that um, you you love about that culture, what will appeal to the guests there, what will be beautiful to to the kind of people you want to attract to a uh, a wonderful hotel there. and then secondly, when you eventually, if and when do you eventually build again in Las Vegas, whether you expect that you'll be able to capture some of those things that you're undoubtedly planning for Kotai, whether you believe that those kind of things will make a, the next Las Vegas project um, even richer.
2: Well, to the first question about learning about Chinese culture uh, for our Macanese uh, project, we had been learning about Chinese culture for quite a while before we started building there because so many of our valued uh, guests and players visiting Bellagio uh, and then when. uh, and the Mirage before that uh, were from Asia. And so uh, learning uh, particulars of their culture, likes and dislikes, um, superstitions, and, uh, and the lore that's involved uh, had all, was already a starting process. Having said that, uh, we, we have advanced exponentially beyond that. Uh, and one of the things, fortunately, uh, that we learned about our, um, our Asian guests is that they really love European-inspired design. Design. And most of my design and creativity is to, is based on um, uh, the art and architecture of Europe. I was never trained as an interior designer. I was trained in the studio arts of various media uh, and as an art historian. So I've always approached uh, architecture and interior design from the historical aspect. Uh, and. Uh, Since they love European design, it was coming up with a new, fresh, and unique version of that that respects Chinese culture uh, that drove the process for the Win Macau uh, project, and I think we were fairly successful. Did we make a f- some mistakes? Yes, of course we did i can 't design like a Chinese person designs, not being Chinese. Uh, I can design as a student of Chinese culture uh, and constantly try to learn and improve my understanding of their culture uh, and and also try to respect it. what we 've decided to do for uh, on steve 's request for our ne- our next project, uh, Kotai, is to uh, in every movie- we make honor the culture of China. We feel very, very fortunate to be involved in the People's Republic of China, uh, to have these extraordinary uh, hotels and casinos uh, um, hosted by that that country, and we want to honor their culture in any way we can. So uh, as my conversation with Steve was, again, I can't design a Chinese hotel. But the history of chinoiserie uh, and the excitement that European... uh, And Anglo-Saxon and other designers uh, had when they encountered China uh, is much like what I'm having uh, in in my voyage to learn as much as I can about Asia, Uh, and we are so that so I am approaching it in in kind of a chinoiserie sense. Uh, of design. And I've just had the occasion to go to China and present some of these designs to my colleagues uh, in Macau, uh, many of whom are Asian, uh, many of these new concepts for our Kotai property, and they were very excited by them. So I think our, our learning insistence has, uh, has panned out. My entire staff and I discuss the culture of China. Uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, distinctions about their likes and dislikes that are uh, not, sh- not known to uh, Westerners. Uh, and so we spend a lot of time and focus in learning
3: that. And, and, se- and secondly, do you oh, and, expect and, and, that some of those things will inform um, what you do uh, eventually, hopefully, in Las Vegas ne- next?
2: Well, thank you. I forgot to, yes. When we, when we, um, when we designed Win Macau, many of the things we'd done for Win Las Vegas were taken to Macau, uh, and they were enjoyed there. And now that I've completed, uh, Win, uh, encore Macau, several of the design elements that, uh, that I was inspired to do at Win encore Macau, we've now brought back to Las Vegas already. Uh, many of the lessons I learned in designing the guest rooms for uh, Encore Macau have informed that complete refurbishment of rooms and suites in the tower of Wynn-Las Vegas. So that, that kind of symbiotic relationship is already beginning to happen. And yes, I believe that a lot of the design elements that, we're, uh, that we are currently developing for KOTAI will greatly influence what we do in our next project or projects uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, coming up with new ideas is not our problem. Uh, we've got lots and lots and lots of ideas. Uh, so I hate to repeat myself, but sometimes when something is really successful, we actually get requests to, uh, to use it as the basis of the next um, the next room the next casino the next guest room
0: sure you mentioned, thank you very much yeah thanks you mentioned uh, Treasure Island in one of your previous answers and I've also heard yeah. Mr. Wynn refer to it uh, I would sort of say it's sort of in redheaded stepchild status um, It's it doesn't seem to be anyone's favorite project to look back on and what I'm wondering is, was TI a product of what was happening in Las Vegas at the time? Why, why is it that it's it's not um, held as high as Mirage, Bellagio, and other past projects?
2: Well, I think we became victims of our own excitement. Um, it, yes, a lot of theming things were happening in Las Vegas at the time. And there was uh, also this kind of discussion of engaging uh, families in uh, in destination resorts, and we were having uh, a discussion at the corporate level of whether families should even be uh, courted to come to casinos, and by the time we finished Treasure Island, we had pretty much decided that no, that that we weren't (laughs) a family uh, gaming company, that we didn't even think you should be a family gaming company, that families should go to Disneyland and adults should come to Las Vegas, Uh, that there was a real distinction between them, and, and we didn't like the idea of kids getting left at the pool while mom and dad were in the casino you know so but but we started looking at what would be uh, you know in those days we looked um, very much at how we appeared from the Las Vegas strip what's the attraction that happens in the front yard that's so fetching that it makes people say well if that's what's in the front yard the volcano the fountains the pirate battle what's inside I've got to see it so uh, it's you know it's kind of what we called the hook and uh, this pirate battle idea started exciting everybody and we started watching pirate movies and i I think we became victims of our own excitement (laughs) and it uh and it kind of carried through the whole casino and for three years in designing and building treasure island uh we were all about pirates but the minute it opened we realized that we were not uh we we didn't want to stay in costume and yet (laughs) we built a set that required costumes right uh, and so we began almost from the moment we opened Treasure Island, what uh, I called a bootyectomy. Uh, <laughs> I piled all of this pirate booty uh, inside this project, and we started taking it out uh, and simplifying it uh, and making it different from that point. So uh, it was a it was a lesson well learned. You cannot make anyone believe that they're in a different place or a different time uh, by replicating architecture. Uh, I, in fact, I call that replitecture. Mm. Um, I don't think you can make anybody believe they're in a different city or in the 18th century. Um, I think we all know where we are, and I think we all know what time it is. Right. Uh, so creating, creating a much better sense of right now Is what our job is. Creating a dramatic, mysterious, humorous, fetchingly comfortable and really attractive and glamorous sense of ourselves and the time we're spending right at this very moment, that's what we're doing.
0: Hmm. That's a good way of putting it. Uh, I want to go back to the larger design narrative for a minute. And I, I think that they're in... There are some common narratives about the company and the properties that start out on a very simplistic level. If you zoom all the way out, and they sort of get deeper, and at the most basic level, there's this idea that everything you see came from Steve Wynn's mind. And as you delve deeper, you know you're probably the next in line to be credited along with the writer and perhaps uh, Elaine Wynn. My guess is that at Wynn, the reality is that it's a team effort. You have staff. The writer has staff. You have consultants outside designers. And, of course, Mr. Wynn does care very deeply about how everything turns out and is an active participant. But can you clarify that design process for us a bit? How much do you delegate to your staff? How do you work with your staff? How often are you running stuff up the chain to Mr. Wynn? How does that work?
2: Well, uh, Steve is is not only the big idea – Roger, I want this resort to be completely new. I don't want anybody to ever have seen it. Or or Roger D. Uh I see this as something that uh that because you know, it, it has a lot to do with what personal experience is. Uh when Bellagio was developed, Steve and his family were spending a lot of time in the south of France. I was spending a lot of time in the north of Italy. Uh and so it's uh it's from those conversations that these kinds of creative processes and design ideas uh, come. But Steve is always the big idea. Um, uh, Elaine was the one uh, who, when uh, Steve was taken with the challenge of uh, not having the intrusion of the strip on the experience of wind, came up with the mountain. Uh, that became uh, the five uh, pools uh, or water features at Wynn uh, and the Large Lake of Dreams. So, um... The, the big ideas generally come from the chairman of the board, and yes, Elaine has has contributed many important, uh, not only big ideas but details. Uh, then once that's uh, once that that is given, uh, I usually go away and come back uh, with. Uh, sometimes we have concepts, uh, we have d- discussions about uh, specifics and concepts. Uh, it's I want the space. Uh, Steve might say I I want this space to be very tall, I want it to be very light in color, or I want it to be uh, small and intimate and very dramatically colored, you know, we'll have those bigger conversations. And then I will go, usually... I will come to my staff with my big idea uh, for when I wanted to create uh, drama consistently and I wanted to do something we had never done before, so uh, I thought of reversing the way we had usually done things which would have been light walls, dark moldings, and do everything in dark walls and light moldings that simple and we started talking about what what colors and textures and things we might use for that. Uh, And I worked with members of my staff. Uh, There are there are members of my staff who participate often in concept uh, and members of my staff who participate seldom in concept. Uh, But those who even who participate seldom in concept often come up with really great ideas uh, that get thrown in. So it's a very participatory studio uh that we have here. Uh having said that, usually the the big idea for the room um, it, you know comes from me. Right now in working on our co-type uh project, uh we have uh, a new set of of people that uh have just come on board that are very exciting um concept and very talented concept people. So we're kind of reformulating the way we're doing things. I then do what Steve calls Roger always gets to go first. I take in an idea and a group of a whole group of, of finishes, um, uh, renderings and things to show Steve, uh, and then Steve interacts with it. And generally, uh, it, gets, uh, it gets better at that point. Steve will make contributions to it, uh, approve certain things, ask other things to be either amped up or played down, uh, and then we'll come back with a, another kind of finalized uh, uh, concept that includes his input, uh, and that's generally what, what we go with
0: well it it's uh that it's i, I almost sort of imagine like a, a songwriter bringing his new work to the band and the band kind of fleshes it out and turns it into the finished product. but it sounds it, like it is very rooted in you know you the principles and they all have you, you guys have your ideas and and you kind of work from there it 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 is i mean the curved tower of when was Steve's idea.
2: Uh, the mahogany glass uh, was something I wanted to explore, so it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's bits and parts uh, of all of this. Steve, in the end, though, uh, is extremely involved in the design. He sees every single fabric, he sits in every single chair before we buy it, he sees every piece of carpet, every piece of trim, every wood finish, uh, every chandelier finish, absolutely everything. And remember, we build models of all of our rooms and suites, and we we build a sizable model of our casino uh, so that we're able to use them as laboratories for development and getting really precise uh, about not making mistakes when we build really big spaces or lots of spaces. Um, and then we do renderings of uh, of every restaurant and with the, the current techniques of computer virtual rendering. We're pretty much able to walk into our spaces, walk around them, and critique them before we build them. Now,
0: yeah, as every once in a while, those renderings will leak out onto the interwebs, and so we get lucky enough to uh, to see some of those things. Um, it's always fun to see some of the ideas that didn't that didn't get implemented or the way things change in implementation. Um,
2: Sometimes, if they get leaked Rogers, and they're out there, we decide not to do them because they've been leaked.
0: Well, I, 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 I would assume that um, sort of that surprise is an important part of you know the reveal. I mean that's one of the reasons that company like Apple cares so much about secrecy. It's because you can't pay money to surprise somebody. There's no way you right. can put that genie – is a huge marketing tool, and we like to build anticipation.
2: So, so the, end, the end result of your question is that I've always thought of Steve as kind of the composer-conductor.
0: Mm, okay.
2: He is adding to the composition, but he's also the conductor, because while he's conducting Derider and I, he's also got entertainment people and marketing people and finance people. Uh, you know, There's a whole other coterie of things that goes into the personality and success of one of our projects. Projects that Steve takes direct responsibility for. Uh, so he's. Uh, I think. I think design and architecture are probably the the, the string section uh, in terms of what's getting attention uh, in the development of a hotel. Uh, but you can't forget the woodwinds, the percussion, uh, or any of the other sections, or you just have a flat opening.
0: Um. A few years back, you had announced your intention to retire and move on to some personal projects. And my understanding is that, like many others of us, the things changed your plans, and you ended up deciding to stay on. Um, I gave three years' notice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way of putting it. But now you're working on KOTAI, which Steve has described as the best work you have all ever done. So was not retiring actually a blessing in disguise? Nothing happens by
2: mistake in my world. I am so delighted I didn't retire. Um, I'm really, really bad at doing nothing, I've <laughs> described. I do nothing poorly. Uh, I'm best when I'm hyper-involved, and, uh, and Steve is a good guy to hyper-involve you. So I'm really delighted that I'm doing the Cotite Project. And yes, it is the best work of my career. Um, so I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't retire.
0: In sort of well, relation – oh, sorry, go ahead. Roger, I was I wanted to ask um
3: when you guys were um finishing or working on the design for Wynn Las Vegas, um I uh I went over to the desert inn to Mr. Wynn's old uh, um offices there and um he took me down to that it was it looked like sort of a you know a warehouse type building where he had where there were mock ups for the rooms and for a miniature casino in there with a lot of the design elements that um you you all were looking at and um and then i and then you had a a similar but smaller area off the parking garage for encore where do you do mock-ups for your projects in macau do you do them somewhere on property there or where do you where do you um you know try out the things that you're envisioning um for a place that's half a world away
2: well, it's different for every project. For, uh, for Encore Macau, we built all of the models in Macau. For Win Macau, we built the models here in Las Vegas. For Win Kotai, we're going to build the first models here in Las Vegas, and then we will probably build models again in Macau-Kotai area, uh, because we've learned that getting your contractor to build the model teaches them so much that they they pay for themselves many times over. Hmm. Uh, so we need the models. We've also learned that we need the models close to the design center, and uh, the designers live here. I'm I'm I I can't live in Southeast Asia. I have uh, some reaction with the. Uh, the, the combination of humidity and heat that causes me to get pneumonia when I'm there for very long. Mm. Uh, I had pneumonia uh, five times uh, during win Macal. Wow! So just from a medical standpoint, this designer can't live in Southeast <laughs> Asia. So, um, so we're going to build the models for Kotai here and then probably build them again uh, there. And we, that means the casino model and the rooms and suites models will be built here in Las Vegas.
0: Man, to be a fly on that wall. Yeah. Um, you, you have a job with deadlines, site like constraints, um, various cultural sensitivities, and uh, definitely a wide range of superstitions. And what I'm wondering is, are there days that you just don't feel creative and you, but you still have to produce? And do you have any special methods or techniques that you use to sort of refill that well?
2: Uh, there are not days I don't feel creative at all. I, I've never, I haven't, I don't remember one of those days since I was two or three years old. Um, I was blessed with this kind of. Uh, I've always uh, wanted to see things that I've imagined, uh, and I've and I've always had a hyper imagination. Uh, my mother and father were very generous in blessing me with that. So, uh, so that's ne- that's never a problem. Uh, focus can be a problem for me because I'm so. Uh, I've, I have so much that I, I um, would like to see. Uh, so I've just developed uh, techniques uh, over time of being able to focus. And I think one of the great advantages that age has given me is I have a confidence in what my idea is at the moment a confidence that that's the right idea and that I don't have to go searching much further for it I just need to uh, I need I have certain ways of seeing if it fits criteria and if it does I use that one if not I I come up with another idea I also as I said travel uh, every day, everywhere, with my drawing books, I have drawers full of them. And if I need an idea and it's not coming to me immediately, I can flip through 10, 20 books and find an idea that I've had before that's original that I haven't used that will be appropriate and springs into action for that particular criteria. So, um, it, you know, having
0: ideas has never been the problem, having enough time to get them all done
2: <laughs> is the problem.
0: Going back the the fast the past few years, um, MGM has started to renovate rooms, suites, and villas that you originally designed. The guest rooms at Bellagio, the villas at Mirage, and at Bellagio. H- have you seen any of these changes? Um, I and, haven't. And sort of individual design ideas aside, do you still have emotional connection to those facilities?
2: Um, I haven't really. My father was just honored at the Keep Memory Alive event, uh, which was held at Bellagio last year. Uh, And so my whole family went, and I spent some time there uh, kind of getting ready for my dad to... Uh, to ha- have an easy uh, entrance and exit for that event. Uh, and Steve got up and spoke about that, and his his first words were, you know, it's nice to be back at the Starter Hotel. Um, <laughs> we, we kind of look at – we're very grateful for all of those experiences. I loved the Bellagio experience. It's one of the greatest times of my life. Uh, but I don't really go back. I go there when there's an event there that uh, that I need to go for. But I don't go back and look at it. Uh, and it, they, you know, they paid absolute top dollar for that property. Right. Bless them. Let the, they get to do whatever they want for that. Whether I agree with what they do or not isn't germane to to, the, to what they're doing. Um, uh, I wish. Every single operator, every designer, every hotel you're in Las Vegas, every casino guy, absolute top success. I hope they are all magnificently successful because what is good for them is good for us and vice versa. So, you know, I only have uh, wishes for, for happiness for everybody. Uh, and, and what they do or uh, how they change designs that I've done, um, I, what I create I know is not going to last uh, forever. Um, you know, I, it it is remarkable to me that Picasso is still the way I left it, or at least that's what I've heard. It was last time I was in it. Yes. Uh, so I'm delighted, I'm delighted to hear that. You know, I think that's wonderful. There, uh, I was in the Mirage recently for an event and the ice cream parlor I did at the very beginning of my career (laughs) is still exactly the way I left it. Um, you know, that's kind of fun to have happen, but, uh, but, uh, I, I wish everybody success in any way they wish to pursue it.
0: On, on that MGM track, when, <clears throat> when City Center was opening, uh, Jim Murren famously told Steve Freese that he had never actually been inside Encore or the Palazzo, which a lot of people thought was a little odd. Um, do you go to visit new properties in Las Vegas and in Macau? And if so, is that for inspiration or curiosity or some combination?
2: Uh, I usually go to visit new properties because I'm usually invited to the opening uh, and I go with friends. So uh, that's or, or, for instance, um, John Christich was one of the um, uh, executives producing Cosmopolitan uh, and was so ha- delighted with his work, he wanted me to come over and see it before they opened. So usually it's under that kind of uh, mm-hmm. reasoning that I go to visit properties. Um, I, don't, I, I don't go to them unless I have a reason to go to them. Um, but but curiosity is a reason, and sometimes I get curious. So uh, when City Center opened, of course I went over uh, to look at City Center. I'm a student of architecture uh, and design and of art. Uh, I was curious about their art collection. A lot of my friends did work there. Um, you know, I wanted to see what uh, Adam Tahani had done at at uh, uh, the Mandarin. I wanted to see. Uh, contributions that uh, other guys had made to other spaces and uh, I love the art of Maya I'm a Henry Moore uh, devotee there were lots of reasons uh, for me to go Barbara Kruger so uh, so yes I I I of course went to that having said that there are some hotels uh, in both Macau and Kotai and Las Vegas that I've never been in sure Uh,
3: may may I ask Roger about um, the about a lot of people have talked about where um, the wind brand would work, and Mr. Wynn has talked you know about different um, different um, cities that he thinks um, the wind brand might work. And I was wondering, um, particularly whether it was South Florida or um, you know in, in Monica, you know on the Mediterranean, if there were any that really excited you being able to potentially design um, a hotel? That would have the uh, you know sort of a, a sensibility um, and would um, that would mesh with um, a win um, customer in those in those markets. Um, are there any any um, cities that really sort of would get your uh, um, you know creativity um, really amped up?
2: Well, uh, first, I think for the win brand and what we've established, I think any market where quality is appreciated is our market. Uh, for uh, an experience of, of, uh, of quality design, uh, exquisite service, uh, phenomenal food, everything well thought, uh, that kind of quality, I think um, – uh, is going to be good anywhere in the world where that market is. So I think Wynn would be appropriate for any of those markets you've mentioned. My heart, of course, uh, never beat faster than when Steve said, I want you to go look at Monaco. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would, uh, I would love to work in France. I would love to work in Italy or Spain. Uh, I find my spiritual home is, uh, is Southern Europe. Uh, And I feel uh, more inspired there than I do anywhere else in the world. It's just the way I'm wired. So I would love to do a project there. Uh, But I would also love to do a project in Beijing. I'd love to do a project in... uh, uh, Boston, where I went to school. I'd love to do you know, uh, any of those places. I can get excited about any market. It's just about learning. As soon as I start looking into the history uh, of those places, it, the, the ideas start churning and, and inspiration comes and I get all charged up.
0: If, if I'm correct, your office is off-site. So what I'm wondering is how much time do you spend on property in Las Vegas how, and how much time do you spend in Macau?
2: Well, I was just in Macau uh, on a seven-day trip. Uh, I will be there again. That was in September. I'll be there again for another seven-day trip this month in October, and I'll be there again for another seven-day trip uh, in December. Uh, So I usually go to Macau four to six times a year uh, for a week each. Um, uh, I'm in the Wynn Hotel uh, many, many weeks on a daily basis, uh, I may start out my morning there and spend an hour or two on various things. I may go at the end of the day. I may have meetings centered around lunchtime. Uh, it can vary. Uh, there are also it's it's not often, but there can be a whole week go by when I'm not in the hotel when my uh, responsibilities are completely focused in the studio. Uh, but while I'm designing new properties, remember we've got two properties that require refreshment uh, and, uh, and ideas all the time. Uh, we think of our, our existing properties as living organisms. So I walk through them, adjust accessories, uh, email notes to various departments about things. Right now, uh, I've got a friend of mine, uh, working with me on, uh, new concepts for floral and win and encore. I've, i always got my finger in the pie. Uh, hmm. so it, it's, there's no rule about when I'm there. Um, uh, but it's, it's, it's quite often.
0: One of the most common interview questions for Las Vegas chefs is to ask them if they have some kind of guilty food pleasure, and they usually say something like In-N-Out or McDonald's. And what I want to know is if you, Roger Thomas, have some kind of design-related guilty pleasure. Do you like browse the IKEA catalog when no one's looking, or what? Anything like that that we could uh, share with our listeners? <laughs> uh,
2: I I don't know I. I guess I should be guilty for the amount of time I spend with my Christie's
0: and Sotheby's catalog. Well, that's, um, that's right up your alley, though. I don't think anyone would be surprised by right, that. that.
2: That's right up my alley. No, you know, I, I really spend um, – I guess my, the, the guiltiest time I have is I download certain television shows to my uh, computer and iPad uh, and watch them on airplanes. Because uh, I don't get to watch television uh, at, at you know at normal times, I almost never watch
0: television, so that's probably my guiltiest pleasure. <laughs> um, let's see. So when you were at Mirage, uh, you guys had Atlantia Design, and here at Wynn, you have Wynn Design and Development. Um, from what I'm, from what you know, do your main competitors, Caesars, MGM, et cetera, do they have comparable design shops? Do you consider that uh, design is a competitive advantage for Win?
2: Well, the reason I went to work for Steve is he considers uh, uh, interior design as one of the most important marketing tools in his armory. Um, and I know that there is still – an in that Atlantia is no longer the name, but there's still an in-house design arm to the MGM uh, group. Uh, but I believe that they're the only other ones in town. Um, having said that, I think that a lot of uh, I, I think that Brad Friedmutter, uh, a really respected colleague, uh, has uh, is, is utilized often uh, by certain properties. Um, I think the I think the best and brightest talent in hospitality design today is Todd Avery Lenahan who's here in Las Vegas. We utilize him, right. and I know that he is also doing work for other properties. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, it's a very lively design community here in Las Vegas because uh, design is so important to Las Vegas. And I think that all of the property owners, managers uh, realize that, and I think that they develop uh, Lee Cagley. Uh, um, Tanner Cagley is another very talented guy, and I know that uh, that he's a go-to guy for several of the Properties, so um, I, I think that that they all, if they don't have them in house,
0: I think they've got them kind of uh, on call well, Lanhan's done a lot of work for you guys I, at some point, you must have tried to hire him, right
2: uh we talked we talked about it, but um uh, he's really he's really a, an independent kind of guy, you know, Todd was in house with Disney for a long time. Uh, and he, so he's been in house and he's had his own design firm and he loves having his own design firm enough, uh, that you can't, you, you can only court a guy to go in house who wants <laughs> that experience. Right. Uh, I never wanted to run my own design firm, which is why I'm in house to Steve. I've got the best clients. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I never had to go, I never had to go looking for anything else. <laughs> um, but Todd, Todd, I think likes the challenge of running his own office. Uh, And has a very talented uh, partner who takes a lot of the business uh, difficulties uh, off of him. Uh, And it allows him to do projects all over the world uh, for a a real wide variety of clientele. And I think that that Todd thrives on that.
0: At Wynn, Blush has recently closed. And since that's happened, we've heard some speculation that it may turn into some kind of high-limit gaming since Alex closed, we've heard speculation it might turn into some kind of nightclub or evening space. I'm just wondering if there's anything you can tell us about either of those spaces. I think y'all should just keep speculating. Oh, okay. What ideas you think would be best. <laughs> uh,
2: I've got I've to deal with Steve. I won't talk about uh, design that's coming up if he doesn't show it. <laughs> Fair enough. So, um, you know, I, I – I, I don't. I don't ever tip the hat. It's up to Steve and his his marketing guys uh, to make the announcements they want to make. Mine is to imagine and design and uh, and get it in and and make it magical,
0: uh, and and I
2: stay out of the marketing and and communications end of it.
0: So. Well, uh, I will vote uh, thumbs down on nightclub for the Alex space. That's just me personally talking. But since my opinion is very important, I uh, <laughs> will share that with you. Um, uh, on another sort of design-related question, to the properties, you got nightclubs, Surrender, Excess, Trist, and the Encore Beach Club, Day Club, that are major revenue generators for the company. They also bring hundreds, if not thousands, of patrons on property every night. And what I'm wanted, what i wondering about is how that influx of people and moving them around and not disrupting other guests have influenced designs both before and after the fact, since some of these things were added after properties had opened. How big of an issue is that? And how do you kind of figure that out to make everybody happy?
2: Well, it's a very big issue because anything that influences guest experience is a big issue and it needs to have design attention. Uh, And we were not uh, prepared, uh, I must say, for some of the uh, numbers of people who show up for these events. Uh, We are currently working on um, a very concrete method of uh, of accommodating and, and making those guests uh, who are waiting to get into excess uh, to accommodate them in a better way uh, and that 's being worked on uh, right now uh, and trist we've uh, as you know've we've, we've um, gone to great lengths to add security personnel to help us um, make those guests comfortable uh, while they're waiting uh, so in the design of every project since uh, those have happened because they were explosive uh, and unexpected. When we designed Surrender, uh, we designed pathways and queuing lines into uh, the whole experience so that we could anticipate it. Uh, and certainly in any other nightclub design, that would be a big part of it and a big consideration. So we're doing a little bit of backtracking to uh, to make that comfortable and and a wonderful experience for our excess guests. Uh, and, and it's really become a Learning experiences we go forward uh, in uh, nighttime entertainment design.
0: Uh, as far as individual spaces, probably I would guess that more of our audience are familiar with the Las Vegas properties than the Macanese properties. So I'm wondering if are there any particular spaces at either Win Las Vegas or Encore Las Vegas that you're particularly proud of, or maybe and maybe there's a little detail um, in one of those spaces that. I guess wouldn't ordinarily notice but something that it's something that catches your eye every time you walk walk through.
2: Well, you know, I've always said that we only build for the opportunity to remodel. So um, (laughs) basically, I'm very proud of every space we have. And any space I'm not really 100% sold on, uh, Steve and I talk about, we usually change it. Uh, And that goes for him, too. If he's not 100% uh, delighted with it, uh, it gets changed. Uh, Now, unfortunately, one of the, I think, the best spaces I've ever done in my career is Alex. And it is only because, um, as a world, we have changed the way we dine. We don't, you know, five-star dining. The four and a half-hour culinary gourmet experience is not is no longer popular. Uh, it's not something that a lot of people uh, go for, and we were finding that Alex was not, was no longer. I mean, Alex Strada is, is absolute genius. Uh, it is the second uh, five star restaurant I've done with Alex. Uh, I've done three five star restaurants in my career, two of them with Alex Strada. And, uh, and it certainly had nothing to do with his talents or the talents of his extraordinary staff, uh, or I think the beauty of the room. It's just, it's just the way it's going. Uh, so that's one of my favorite spaces. Uh, I really love the new Baccarat rooms at Wynn. I think those are, are very beautiful. Um, uh, I'm very proud of the Lobby Bar at Encore. I think that's a great space. And Sinatra at Encore
4: also is one of my favorite spaces. Dave, did you have a question? Yeah, I've got a related question to you. If there was somebody who wasn't familiar with your work at all and you had one space to show them to say this is the epitome of a Roger Thomas space, you know, which space would you pick? Not necessarily the one that you like the best, but which space do you think kind of sums up your design philosophy um, the best? Wow. Um, <laughs>
2: that's a tough, you know, asking for a, for a single favorite space is like asking someone with five children which one's your favorite. You're going to you're gonna get in trouble in some way. <laughs> um, I, I, think, I think probably I would take them to parasol up and down. Uh, because I think the, the, it, the, the combination of design, art, entertainment, um, the heroic scale, and the detailing are all very important to me. It was one of the most challenging spaces. I apologize for that. No problem. I know I was on. Uh, it was one of the most challenging spaces I've ever done. And, and, uh, and, and I think uh, it kind of shows the, the way I would approach a space and solve the problems.
3: Mm.
1: Roger, this is Chuck. How are you doing?
2: I'm uh, fine, Chuck.
1: Thanks. I, have a, I have one question for you. It's pretty simple. Um, what does heaven look like? Because <laughs> what in, does in heaven look like? In my dreams, it is designed by Roger Thomas. So if you <laughs> oh, could just give you. me a, a little bit of a...
2: If, in if my were... dreams, it's the Metropolitan Museum in New York. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if God
1: himself asked you... Raj, can you design heaven for me? Give me your, give me a sketch, a quick sketch.
2: Well, I, you know, uh, strangely enough, I would probably pick a space that's not mine uh, because I just think it's so extraordinary. And that is, uh, I would pick Todd's creation for the um, the entry space for the spot
0: encore. So great.
2: Uh, yeah. i you know, if if I had to be in one space and call it heaven, I think. I think that would be it. I think that's one of the singly most extraordinary spaces uh, anywhere in any uh, in any hotel, and I could stay there for ever. <laughs>
0: I I have what might be a little bit of a tough question, and maybe an unanswerable question. But a, as we've been talking to you, and after our previous conversation with the writer, you know, at some point, Steve Wynn will retire. Roger Thomas will retire. The writer Butler will retire. What is the next generation of wind resorts going to look like?
2: Well, won't that be fun to wait and find out? It's <laughs> <That's> a good, <laughs> good, good answer. I'm on the edge of my seat. Uh, <laughs> we have some. We have some extraordinarily talented people in our offices uh, here at Wind Design who I think could. Uh, we're mentoring and uh, and we're working with closely, and uh, they're very exciting. They're incredibly smart and. and uh, and really confident, and and I think perhaps our our what it's going to look like is going to be the responsibility of people we already have on board.
0: Well, that's uh, that it's got to be a good thing, right? Absolutely. Um, we are closing out our time with you. I, you know, the company has not said a lot about Kotai in terms of specifics. There, um, Mr. Wynn has talked on conference calls in some uh, some vague detail. Um, I, you know I understand that part of part of the allure is the surprise but I'm just wondering what can you tell us about kotai within those parameters it doesn't break any rules or you know feel free to break some but um, I, I I would just love to hear you know the process is ongoing how what's your excitement level what what should we expect well my excitement level is high Uh
2: I've, as you know, I developed product line under the Roger Thomas collection for many manufacturers and everything I've been developing. Uh, When I announced I was retiring a year ago, I took on seven new product lines and I had to fulfill those as well as my day job. (laughs) So in doing those, I've created a whole series of new products uh, that I could use for this project. Um, And they are light and bright. They're highly colored. Uh, They are inspired by the colors that are found on really beautiful Chinese porcelains uh, by the contrast and drama that uh, I find in Chinese screens. Uh, I really am taking to heart Steve's request that we honor China and looking deeply into the the great artistic uh, heritage of China for all of the inspiration, all of the clues. Um, It will be... Uh, a lighter, brighter, uh, version of us than anyone's ever seen before and perhaps more highly colored. We had a really, uh, successful introduction of the spaces of Encore Macau. Uh, and I've learned a lot from those and, and want to uh, correct a few mistakes, uh, but not many. And so I'm going to take some of that inspiration forward. Um, I know that, uh, I'm, uh, that I'm really inspired also by opportunities for uh, indoor planting and uh, indoor spaces that are more lavish than outdoor spaces. But like indoor spaces, I don't know if that helps you, but, uh, but I'm, just, I'm just completely excited. I've, I've got a Guan Yin and Golden Dragons and Chinese embroideries and uh, porcelains all over my office,
0: and we're all just talking about them and jumping in with both feet. And uh, the dirt's supposed to start moving sometime soon, I hope, right? It sounds like that process is progressing. Fortunately, I don't move dirt or even care when I <laughs> move <the> dirt. <laughs> all right. Uh, any last questions from the rest of the crew before we let uh, Mr. Thomas go? All right.
3: Thank you. Thank you very thank much, Thank you Roger. all. Yes, Thanks Roger, thank all you guys so much. you do
0: to keep Las Vegas exciting
2: and keep the world knowing about us. It's much appreciated. You're too kind. Thank you, Roger. Thanks, Roger.
0: Thank you. Thank you Roger. Thanks, guys. All right, let's uh, let's do some some sure bets. So, sure bets are our segment where we share something with you, the audience, that we find interesting. That um, you know, you that we might want to share with you. It Doesn't have to be casino related, but it certainly can be. Um, so here we go. Let's go around the table. Jeff, do you have a sure bet for us today? Yes,
3: I do. Um, I'm sure uh, some of you have been following. The, uh, the news in various states, it looks like we're in another, uh, because of the budget situations in many states, it looks like we're getting closer to uh, some new um, casino venues. Uh, Massachusetts and Florida, probably the most exciting. I guess Maine and New Hampshire, uh, Maryland, less exciting. But um, I wanted to talk about um, the potential for um, uh, South Florida casinos um, today. Um if and this is a big if because the rest of the state is not too excited about about um casinos in South Florida, whether they'll support it, support them or not is not a sure sure thing, but um what I would say is that if um South Florida decides to allow um a few casinos uh you know Genting already has land. Um, Sheldon and Steve Wynn are both angling for a property there. And uh, Wh- Steve Wynn told me a long time ago um, that he would be very excited to be able to build there. Um, now at the time he was you know married to Elaine and that's her hometown. Uh, and Mr. Wynn spent a lot of time um, in Miami and Miami Beach. Um, but I think that if Las Vegas has a domestic market to fear, um, Florida would be one of the biggest potential threats to the city in the long term. I think that obviously Southern California, if somebody could afford the coast and get by the casino, the Coastal Commission's big obstacle, Southern California might be even bigger. But um, I think that's so unlikely that l- just looking at the rest of the country, South Florida is a place where um, you can you can sort of capture the sun angle of, of Las Vegas. Um, I doubt that anybody can ever replicate putting so many great hotels and convention spaces um, that close to an airport in a nice temperate climate. So I'm not saying that this is going to threaten Las Vegas um, in a substantial way, but I think it's more appealing just as, just as Atlantic cities sort of, prowess as a as a getaway city a vacation city in the late nineteenth and most of the, uh, the first half of the twentieth century was sort of supplanted by Florida and the ease of travel through airfare and and um you know interstate highways. I think that similarly um the east Coast casino market in particular um would be impacted um by a, a destination market in South Florida where people can go for a few days. People already are conditioned to going to Florida for a week. So that's the kind of a thing that would, would impact Las Vegas, um, maybe partially impact those East coast casino drive-in markets and local markets. Um, and I think it's something for people in the business to keep an eye on both as an opportunity and as a potential threat. So, uh, My sure bet is that, you know, people should keep an eye on what's going on in Florida. It's probably more significant than uh, almost any other market that's under consideration right now.
0: Good to know. Uh, Chuck Monster, you got something for us today? Pass. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Can you come back (laughs) to me? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Dave Schwartz, what about you?
4: I've got something. um, It's a... Restaurant, local place. It's called Super B Burrito. And the logo is like a Superman logo, but with a B. (laughs) And what they lack in kind of polish, they make up for in good food. It's pretty good food. Very basic menu, just burritos and tacos, stuff like that. They don't have a lot of fancy stuff. It's very inexpensive. It's at Eastern and Pebble, so it's in the Eastern Restaurant Corridor there. The the big, uh, whatever dichotomy is too fancy a word, but you know you can compare it to a place like Cafe Rio, which is also decent food, but it's more the kind of corporate, very polished image type of uh, food. This place is much more kind of, it is what it is. They've got pictures of San Francisco. I guess the owner came... Over from San Francisco, and that's where he's from. But really good food, super friendly folks there. And to me, if you're in that Eastern Avenue corridor down there around the 215, and you want a quick, friendly, very tasty lunch, head over there because they're pretty cool.
3: Excellent. I, could I could I say uh, real quick that um, if we implored Chuck um, to not not to pass, but instead to uh, describe his um, how he would imagine hell, and wonder if those, uh, and wonder if those um, Twitter guys, twenty four k and whatever that other clown's name is, if they would somehow be involved in hell.
1: Jeff, you done a better description than I possibly could have imagined. It would be exactly as you said. Those two guys would be manning the uh, the craps table at the Sahara. I think that would be. Yeah. And Sam Nazarian would be standing around, we could throw vegetables at him. He never got back to me, never answered mm. my email, so
3: yeah, kinda weird. But I, based on the misspelling in his email, I think it's him.
1: Oh I think and it's gotta be him because the IP address resolved right. to SBE's uh, uh <laughs> corporate offices. So I, 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 I after thinking about it, I do have some uh one I just wanted to uh I wanted to give two shout-outs before I give my final final tally here. Um, Shout-out to Richard Abwitz, a great local reporter who just bounced out of town quietly to go to uh, Jackson Hole. Great guy. Definitely going to miss him. He's always uh, spoken the truth to power. And uh, particularly the way he's handled Chris Angel has always been a, a real inspiration to me. And uh, a shout out to uh, Roger Gross for hooking me up with uh, G2E passes. So and I'll
3: second I'll second that on Richard Abowitz.
0: Yeah. yeah, You know, Richard, after the LA Times stopped doing his thing, you know, we we kind of heard a little bit less from him, and he was blogging for a little while. But uh, that was, I think, uh, you know, I I always really appreciated. His his writing, and I've got to spend some time with him. And he's yeah. one crazy, fun, insane he's a, dude.
1: He's a very unique guy, for sure. You don't, you know, you get some of it from his writing, but when you talk to them he's quite
0: an yeah, interesting. If, I think if you give him too much coffee, he um. might explode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. one, one of the one of the good ones, for sure. No doubt about that.
1: My sure uh I've got four of them. Uh, tassels. Uh, fringe, trim, and imperial orange. <laughs> excellent,
0: excellent. Um, I am going to suggest a food-related product. Um, I am sort of like an energy drink junkie. I kind of—I'm one of those guys that sits in the dark room with the computer like 24 hours a day. And so, to live up to that stereotype, you know, I've always got like empty cans surrounding me everywhere. Um, and there's this drink called brain tonic with a Q on the end, which is sort of like healthy Red Bull kind of, <laughs> I, I, someone, I think it's Chuck's probably laughing. It's really, it's, <laughs> this, is, this is not a joke. Um, it's, it's actually really good. It's, it's, uh, it's very natural. It's kind of hard to find, like you might find it at Whole Foods, but otherwise you have to kind of order it online directly from them. But, um. There's something to it, man. It's magical. I totally recommend it. It's way better than Red Bull or the crap you find at the supermarket. Crank. (laughs) Hey, man, I'm getting old. I, you know, I gotta, I gotta tone it down. Live within my, you know, whatever. All right. (laughs) Um, That's it for today. I want to say, hey, listeners. Do us a favor. Do you want to do us a favor? Yes, you want to do us a favor. Go on iTunes and rate our show. I have never asked you to do this before. I'm asking you now. This will help other people find the show. You go on iTunes. You find the Vegas Gang show. You get to put in a rating, and you get to leave a little review. Do this for us,
1: please. The the reviews that are on there are from, like, 2006.
0: Yes, I think we we asked at the very beginning, and then I never asked again. So I'm asking you now. Go and do that. We want more people to listen to this show. Um, we we want. a
3: testament to our longevity? Yeah, we've been around <laughs> for a long cool, time. Cool, five
0: years. Been around for <laughs> yeah. a long time. Yeah. I'm patting myself on the back right now. We we really need you guys to go and rate the show. So please do that. We'd really appreciate it. Um, it's really easy. It takes two seconds. If you don't do it, I will hunt you down and find you and kill you. Um, that is it for today. Uh, Let's go around the table, and you can tell people where they can find you if they want to. Dr. Dave, where can people find you if they want to?
4: Um, Next week, I'll be at G2E, wandering around, probably aimlessly for quite a bit, and they can find me there and uh, at my website, dgschwartz.com.
1: You have a presentation, too, don't you, Dave?
4: I do. I'm moderating a panel on social media return on investment, Wednesday morning at 9.15. So... Hopefully they'll drink plenty of brain, brain tonic, get up early, and uh, <laughs> come out there at nine fifteen in the morning.
0: Chuck, are you going to G2E?
1: Yeah, I'm going to try and swing out there for a day to go nice. uh, check out the show. Nice,
0: I've never been. It'll Be
1: my oh, first hey, time. Yeah, yeah. I'm becoming uh, one of them. <laughs>
0: yeah, hey, uh, yeah, you know, I, I've I've been a couple times. I actually, I, I, uh, I uh, yeah, you know, it's it's got its ups and its downs. It's probably exactly what you expect, but there's some interesting stuff um so yeah chuck where can people find you people are going to find me at uh,
1: g2e and i'll probably be with dave i imagine cool I'll be
0: walking around together I would, I and
1: would uh so. he's the cute one <laughs> and uh you can also find me on saturday october 22nd at planet hollywood the vegas
0: internet mafia family picnic vimp yes vimp uh mr jeff simpson how about you
3: I'll also be at the Vegas Internet Mafia Family Picnic um October twenty second. I'm uh on Hunter's blog at two Hard three at ratevegas People can follow my uh sweetness and night uh, sweetness and light ambrosiatic posts on Twitter at Simpson Las Vegas. Um and uh At G2E, I will be on a panel on uh, positioning your brand in the media. It's uh, Wednesday from 11:45 to 12:45, um, right? You know, the lunch break. So skip lunch (laughs) and uh, come here. uh, Whatever kind of pablum we'll be spewing.
0: (laughs) I uh, I will be the only person not at G2E apparently this year, but um, you know that's okay. I'll just be at home drinking my brain tonic, thinking about you all. <laughs> um, Furiously. <laughs> if uh, other than uh, my not being a G2E, you can also find me at RayVegas.com or 2 dot 3com um, Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. Okay. Take care, everyone. Too. Bye-bye. Right, thanks. Later.